Before we get started, uh, I just want to let you guys know uh, there are some audio issues this week. It's only for the first segment, so bear with us. Um, we just had uh, some technical difficulties this week. That is all. Commence podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 52 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I am Ben. I'm Craig. And I'm Derek. So my phone, again, is having issues. And it's, uh, this, is, this is what, the second, second time for, for this phone. Uh, it's an iPhone 5S. It's 64 gigabyte gold. It should be fine. And, uh, but... I'm having a weird screen Did you say now. gold? Yes. I didn't have Did a choice on the Did you check your color. masculinity at the door when you, <laughs> when you got a gold phone? <laughs> oh, hush. Um, no, it's actually kind of a nice phone, but I didn't, have, I didn't get to choose the color because all I said was, give me the, uh, the most capacity you can when my IT guy asked, you know, what phone do you want? And... I said, and he said, you know, he should be able to find something, but I can't guarantee you what, what color he'll get. So I got a gold phone. But anyway, I've already replaced this once, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about on the podcast already. And now now I've got a weird screen glitch where the left side of my screen has like four lines, like like four of those little like pixel dead columns um, just there. And occasionally the left side of my screen won't work. And so... Now I now I have to transition to another phone, which normally I would be totally okay with getting a brand new phone, but this is like the third time I've had to do it this past year, and the transition process is kind of obnoxious. It takes me a solid Saturday morning in order to transfer everything over, but, you know, whatever. It's a new phone. I don't have a point to this story. <laughs> Is there anything else? Was there any follow-up or anything? So there was lots of discussion in the, during the week in the Slack about last week's episode. Mainly people saying, how do you do this in Pocket Casts? Can you do that in Pocket Casts? <laughs> yep. Um, and I found something really weird happening this week that I want to put out there and just say, I think it's my phone and not Pocket Casts. Let me know. I had an issue where... Um, it's happened twice now where I've been halfway through an episode or something in my up next list and it would just randomly stop, delete the episode and start playing the next thing in my up next list, like halfway, legitimately halfway through, like not even close to the end or anything. Huh. Um, That's never happened to me. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a memory issue because my phone's always ma running at max capacity because I've only got 16 gig. Yeah, 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 I know. I've only got 16 gig. Derek's got a gold phone. I've got 16 gig. We all have to give up something, right? Um, so I'd rather give up the color, but you know. <laughs> Do you have a gold one as well? He does. Yes, he's in the gold. Oh my goodness! Camp. You guys are both more effeminate than I thought. To be to be entirely transparent, <laughs> if if I would have gotten a new phone this last round, I would have probably gone for the rose gold one. It's Fair a pretty no. I just think the name no, no, rose no, gold no, is what no. makes it sound to me like it should be. Something that's aimed at the female market. That's but maybe true. Maybe that's not true. Yeah, I don't know. 
It's a stereotype. Ben's offended by my stereotype, clearly. <laughs> no, I was looking at how to answer the fool on my uh, shelf and contemplating how to respond to you. Yeah, yeah. See, Ben's Do you get offended. It? Yeah, get it? Yeah. Ben's calling okay. me a fool because I don't like rose gold colored phones. So Listen, anyway. Craig, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Psalm 14, verse 1. This is going downhill real fast. Yeah, that's all right. Rose gold phones are awesome. I'm just answering the fool according to his folly. I will say this: um, we do have one official convert. Well, besides me, uh, on the Pocket Casts train, Dave has said that he's switched over officially. Uh, and I was really ashamed by our listener base for how many folks admitted this week that they use the Apple Podcasts app. It made me want to <laughs> cry a little bit. Um, but you know what? Whatever. I also checked the stats <laughs> just because I was thinking about it earlier today and uh, realized that the second most listened to app is Apple Podcasts. And that just made me even sadder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, have you looked at the stats in Pocket Cast Ben? The stats tab in Pocket Cast. Oh, yes, I have. I like that. I think that's cool. That's pretty neat. It tells you how much time you saved from um, silence removal and voice speed up. Right. Yeah. Overcast has that too. Uh, it's just kind of more hidden, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like pocket cast. I switched and, um, I decided middle of the week that I would download overcast again for single one-off episodes because pocket cast is just really not very good at that. But, uh, yeah, that's the plan going forward. We'll see how long it lasts. This is Tech You Should Know, where we bring you seven tech news stories from the past week that we feel are worth your consideration. Facebook has gone back to its original roots with a new standalone app named LifeStage. Its goal is to take Facebook from 2004 and bring it into 2016. It asks for various things about you, you know, likes, dislikes, the way you dance, etc., and you shoot video of the answers instead of writing your own bio. This creates a full video bio of you but chances are you aren't invited. It's meant for high school students to find and be able to connect with people at their school and at schools nearby. And if you're over 21 years old, you aren't invited to join the party. Anyone can obviously download the app, but people 22 or older will only be able to see their own profile. However, homeschoolers are probably being discriminated against in this app, but I haven't checked that myself because, you know, I'm not creepy. That does sound discriminatory. I remember when Facebook first came out and I I was homeschooled and I tried to get on and it's only for for high school students, you know, at specific schools. So I couldn't actually create an account for the longest time because I didn't have a school I belonged to. And so that was that was sad, but I hope they have some kind of workaround for homeschoolers. The next big version of Android began to arrive last week. Google is starting to roll out Android 7.0 Nougat, or Nougat, which adds split-screen multitasking, quick reply notifications, much better emoji, and a bunch of other small changes throughout. And as with all Android updates, Nexus people get it first. The Nexus XP, 5X, 6, 9, Nexus Player, and the Pixel C tablet are all supported. Everyone else who has an Android phone is at the whims of their device manufacturers for when they get it. 
Tesla released some new models of their S and X vehicles this week, and they are fast. The new Model S goes from 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds, making it the fastest car currently in production, and the third fastest production car ever made. And if you want to own that beautiful Speedster, it is only the price of a small house at $135,000. Woo! Tesla has emphasized kind of weirdly that the smaller, more affordable Model 3 that's currently in development could not be developed without people willing to buy the bigger cars. Yeah, but that's an interesting business model. Yeah. but I only sell the most expensive thing. <laughs> well, I don't think it will actually support the production of the cars once they go into production, but, you know, for development, this was kind of always their business plan. But the fact that they emphasize it again, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, exactly. I've just realized something. What What did you realize? I have often thought, why is he saying the name of that company in such an odd way? And I just realized it's because you're pronouncing the S as a Z. Oh, so you would pronounce it Tesla instead of Tesla. Yeah, that's what I've, I've always said, Tesla. Maybe that's not right. No, no, no. Maybe okay. I'm the wrong one. That's totally fine. I've, okay, to be honest, I've always thought I've been pronouncing it Tesla, but I am pronouncing it Tesla. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, quick poll for the people in the Slack, um, the Slack. Uh, everybody in an episode discussion. Uh, <laughs> how do you pronounce Tesla? Do you pronounce it Tesla or Tesla? Just spell it the way you pronounce it. Just like yep. one word posts. Yep. Tesla or Tesla? S or Z? Go ahead. <laughs> we'll wait. Okay. Great. Now that everybody's voted. <laughs> Pinterest has purchased Instapaper, the original Read It Later service. However, Pinterest has insisted that nothing will change for the end user of Instapaper, saying, The Instapaper team will be moving from Betaworks in New York City to Pinterest's headquarters in San Francisco, and will continue to make Instapaper a great place to save and read articles. However, judging from previous experiences with apps like Mailbox or Sunrise, Christina Warren of Gizmodo has a not-so-rosy view on the situation. She says in the piece, Pinterest is ostensibly buying Instapaper because it wants some of its technology and the people who built that tech, but it seems very unlikely that Pinterest actually wants the Instapaper service itself. Sure, Pinterest says it will keep Instapaper running, but keeping a service running and keeping a service improving are two very different things. This one was really interesting to me. I didn't know what the motive was on this. I guess her take is probably right. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I've I've thought for a while that, you know, th there was a while, I think maybe back when Marco was developing it, mm -hmm. uh, where Pocket and Instapaper were sort of neck and neck, but I feel like Pocket's really taken off. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sad to see it go, but I am, I don't know. It's not great for the whole trend of like Mailbox and um, Sunrise and now Instapaper is not a great thing for SaaS companies. Google is going to start punishing websites with terrible pop-up ads on mobile, which is a total win for all mankind. They're making a call that websites with pop-ups and interstitials are worse search results, which may end up ranking them lower in the long run. However, this is only one data point for ranking, and hundreds of inputs go into rating search results, so pop-up ads won't disappear from the front page of Google overnight. However, if there are two sites with roughly the same amount of relevance and one uses pop-ups and the other does not, the one without will probably win. 
And Twitter is again in the news for being bad at managing its users. This one is relation to GIFs of the Olympics. Why would that possibly be a thing, you ask? Well, good question, hypothetical listener. Before the game started, the International Olympics Committee put some very restrictive regulations in place, including, among other things, a ban on GIFs, short video clips, and live streaming of sporting action. A guy named Jim Weber, a sports journalist, tweeted three GIFs of Olympic talent, and since Twitter is the gatekeeper to its service and responsible to take down anything that violates copyright, it naturally banned him from Twitter. Yes, instead of just removing the content and giving a warning, Twitter ended up banning him without any chance of restitution. There's much more to the story, and he did end up getting his account back after all of this publicity, but it's another unfortunate black eye in the media for Twitter. And I'm not sure this is even Twitter's fault. Uh, it's more that copyright laws are kind of still terrible at the internet, but anyway... If you haven't updated to iOS 9.3.5 yet, you really need to, like more so than usual. iOS 9.3.5 fixes a critical bug that has been exploited to spy on dissidents and journalists. From the New York Times, quote, Investigators discovered that a company called the NSO Group, an Israeli outfit that sells software that invisibly tracks a target's mobile phone, was responsible for the intrusions. The NSO Group's software can read text messages and emails and track calls and contacts. It can even record sounds, collect passwords, and trace the whereabouts of the phone user." Unquote. And the exploit could be installed merely by visiting a malicious website. So, yeah, go ahead and download that update. It, it fixes very important things. I'll do it right now. I'm doing it as we speak. All right. All right. On my iPhone and my iPad, which is good. Thanks for the tip, Tech Reformation. Hey, you're welcome, Craig. Here's to you, Tech Reformation. <laughs> um, I don't know uh, details about the iOS 10 beta, if there's a fix on the iOS 10 beta, but um, uh, stay up to date and you should be fine. That's all the tech you should know this week. If we left out something you think we should have mentioned, email us at ask at techreformation.com. And for more tech you should know throughout the week, you can follow us on Twitter at Tech Reformation. And that brings us into Tech You Should Use, the part of the show where we feature a particular piece of technology that we have found helpful and that we hope you'll find useful too. And this week we are talking about Subsplash. Uh, which I think Ben and I have had some experience with and Derek's about to learn about. Woo! So, Subsplash is basically an online platform that uh, creates apps, so mobile apps um, for people. Uh, and then it's like, a, it's like kind of a white label thing. So, you pay a subscription uh, monthly or annually and then they create, they have an app that you have branded as your own app. Um, and they target, um, one of the th key things they do is called the church apps. They target churches and they say, hey, if you pay this much a month, um, you can sign up to our service. You get your own app across whatever devices you want to sign up for. So, um, the church that I was at until a few months ago, uh, my wife and I recently moved churches, but um, previously we were in a church that signed up and we had an iPad app, an iPhone app, and an Android app. 
And basically what Subsplash does is it gives you uh, the ability to customize um, whatever content you want to put out through it. Um, but some of the key features are podcasts. So we're running all of our church's media through the app. So we're uploading the MP3s weekly. You can put a bunch of data in there in terms of descriptions and show notes and um you can put sermon notes as attachments and all that kind of thing. Um, so we had a podcast section and which you can organize by date or by season or month or whatever, a series if you're doing sermon series. Uh, we had events so that people could go on, see what's coming up, um, hit an email address or a booking link or um, a phone number to call to inquire about something. I think you can also auto add to calendar from there. Um, and we had, there's a, a more tab where you can um, basically there's like a list of links that you can create um, to your website and to your other social accounts and things like that. Um, and then we had the Bible. So there's actually a Bible tab and you can have um, the ESV translation of the Bible um, within the app, uh, which also has reading plans associated with it. So uh, it's basically, yes, yeah, a, a really, I found it to be a really useful service. It's quite an easy dashboard that you log into to main, to maintain it and to update all those areas. Um, as I said, the artwork is customized. So you send them your artwork mm-hmm. and they brand the app completely for you. Um, so all the colors and stuff that they use for um, things are sort of customized to whatever your branding, to suit your branding. Um, you also get access to a web player. So our church used this um, for, instead of sort of having a, a separate podcast feed linked on our website that we had to pull something into via RSS or whatever, um, we basically just had like a listen tab and then link to the Subsplash um, page. Uh, so then people could just click on listen and they'd just be faced with a, basically a web player for all the um, all the media, all the podcast downloads and sermon downloads. Um, so yeah, that and from there, obviously you can you know you can sh- I think you can social share episodes and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I found it quite useful. I thought it was a good uh, way to keep, particularly the events thing is really helpful, um, keeping people informed of things that are coming up. You can send out push notifications through it. So reminders, if there's meetings or something that you think people might have forgotten about, you can kind of just remind them that something's coming on, coming up tomorrow or tonight or whatever. Um, they've also added, uh, over time, they have added new features and now they have, um, subsplash giving, whereas mm-hmm. before I think you had to do, um, online giving through PayPal or something like that and then just put a link in the app to a page on your website. I'm pretty sure now, um, you can actually, you can actually set up your, you know, you're giving through Subsplash and so the money goes straight through the app rather than having to load another web page. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which was a feature that I was kind of hanging out for and then we moved churches and now I don't administer the app anymore. But, um, <laughs> just cause the PayPal thing was a bit clunky to sort of have to change. Um, app screens or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. It's just a really helpful tool in terms of something we talked about a few weeks ago about in the Brexit episode about keeping um, church members up to date with the latest information and what's going on. I think I mentioned it then, mm-hmm. um, but that's basically what I what we used it for and we found it really helpful. Yeah, that's really cool. It looks like it's primarily like built for churches. I mean, it has... I mean, it has other segments down here, like for schools, businesses, but it looks like it's very much centered around churches. Am I right? 
Yeah, I get the, I get the impression they do make other apps, but mm-hmm. by far their most it seems like to me that by far their biggest product is the church app. Um and so yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it is the whole company is kind of targeted itself in that space or at least that's what it appears. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, they, and they do a good job of it. Like I said, the interface, the the administration area, the dashboard is easy to use. Um for for like a hundred and forty dollars a month Australian ish, mm-hmm. you can get like a hundred gig or something of media storage built in. So we were actually hosting our church um, MP3 like sermon MP3s mm-hmm. through Subslash as well, rather than having them on, on our own server, just because it was easier to have everything centralized. So right, um, we sort of shifted from a, an iTunes, um, you know, feed and and use the Subsplash feed as our main podcast feed. Um, so yeah, that, that's I I would recommend it if you are wanting to keep people in your church involved and in knowing the latest information. Um, so does this do like like websites and stuff too? Like, is this this isn't like supposed to be a solution for an entire church to like run off online, like to be like a server or anything? It's mostly just for media serving. Not that I know. Of. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, you get built in. You get the um, web player. Which is a web pa- a web page. Yeah. I don't know that anyone would want to use it as their only church website, though, because it's really geared towards serving content, um, serving media content. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you basically go there and, like I said, at the top of the page, there's, like, branding and a social media sharing link. And then at the bottom of the page, there's a list of podcasts to listen to or whatever. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have the events and things like that listed on it. So, we were still... Um, putting events on our website as well, so that was right, the only downside right. was that there wasn't a there wasn't a way that I found of being able to go to our WordPress site and pull an events feed from mm-hmm. Subsplash. Now maybe there is, maybe someone's created a WordPress plugin that talks between the app and WordPress, but uh, at the time we had to do that separate like uploading of events. Mm-hmm. So upload the artwork in two places and the details in two places. Cool. Cool. Yeah, my church uses Alexio for like everything, including. Uh, well, I guess we use Libsyn for the for the sermons for the podcasts. But um, I've I've found that like the more that a service tries to do, the less great it is at it. Like I don't really like their CMS. <laughs> um, and uh, actually, I have to transfer everyone's email over because they're switching email services, which is great. Yay! Playing with DNS never goes wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks like for what Subsplash does, like just like the design itself is is very good. I would imagine it, it works pretty well too. Yeah, that was kind of what drew me to it. Like their design is good. It's clean. It's simple. They're not trying to... Uh, a lot of church... This is going to sound awkward, but a lot of church design is just really, really bad. Like churches aren't traditionally greater design unless you yeah. happen to have a designer in your church who's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to have something that was pretty much, you know, your app, your app can look like the Village Church's app or, um, or you know, whatever some of the other ones are that are on there. I think right. Redeemer has an app or whatever. Um, it, in terms of it will look the same quality. It will have your own art, have your artwork on there. So, if right, your logo is right. crap, it's still going to look crap. But <laughs> um, the layout and everything is... is um, 
is the same and the way that it works is all the same. So, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, it's pretty white label in that way and, and I found it to be pretty um, – it, it made a good impression. It had a pretty good uptake at our church. So, um, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, um, if you're needing something like that, something to keep your church informed, maybe check out Subsplash. It's a good option and the church app is pretty easy to use. And, yeah, have a look. That's a wrap on Tech You Should Use. Our sponsor this week is by Olive Tree. The easiest way to get into a Bible study library that follows you wherever you go on any mobile device that you have. There was just a release of some new Bible software that uh, released in the past couple of weeks that um, is is kind of expensive. It's kind of expensive for what you get. I mean, the stuff that you get is great, but you know, every couple of years you have to upgrade when they release something new and pay hundreds of dollars in order to stay current uh, on your Bible study software. Not so with Olive Tree. Olive Tree is free for the base app, and then you can buy a la carte or in a bunch of different packages that they have of different resources that upgrade you know, with every software update. Um, it's a fantastic way to get started if you haven't started, you know, building a digital library for studying your Bible. Um, or, you know, if you are tired of these, you know, upgrades, you know, that happen every couple of years um, that you have to plunk a lot of money down on, you know, get started with Olive Tree. You can start small. You can build your library up as you use, you know, a- another uh, perhaps competing software program. Um but try it out. It's free to try out. They give you some free resources to get started, and you can always plunk, you know, a, a few bucks down on some other resources that you're interested in, you know, and to to try it out. They've got some really great features, such as the you know split screen across all devices that you have to compare against you know various resources that you have and sync as you go. And it's got inline pop-ups for like links to other chapters in the Bible, so you're not like switching all the way to uh, another part of the Bible, and then you got to find your way back. And you know, you, you can you can click on those inline; it pops up. You can close it and keep going with what you're doing. E- very easy to reference, you know, back and forth uh, in your Bible. So try it out for free today uh, at OliveTree.com. If you decide to buy anything, just use the code TECH for 20% off uh, of any purchase you make, and that really helps support this show. Thank you to Olive Tree for supporting this week's episode of Tech Reformation. Hi, this is Cody, the host of the Ordinary Pastor podcast. I'd like to invite you to tune into this podcast weekly as we discuss ministry from an ordinary perspective, whether that's the perspective of the pastor pastor's wife, missionaries, or lay people. We discuss all kinds of different topics on this show. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or find us through the Theology Mix Network. I hope you listen, hope you tune in, and may God bless you.
let's get into the topic that Ben is the expert on. All right. Kids and technology. The only one who does not have a child. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's got Mosby. That counts. That's true. Mosby doesn't have a soul. Well, we could get into that. No, that's true. And now it's time for our main topic. And this week, um, I wanted to talk to two new dads about um, their kids and technology. Um, So, I'm not a dad. As I'm sure will be adequately pointed out many, many times in this conversation. And that's just great. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, God willing, I will be one, one day. Um, but that being the case, one I have not soon? put much, uh, I don't know about soon. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. Um, like nine months. It'll from be now. the Lord's timing for sure. Um, cool. But. I've not put much time into this particular topic as a result of the facts that I've just laid forth. Um, so I will probably, I will likely say ridiculous things in the following conversation. I don't know um, if we'll necessarily be able to point that out though, because we own, because neither of us have been fathers for more, for even a year yet. So, you know, you've got. Yeah, some- but you've certainly thought about it more than I have. <laughs> Plus, I've okay. read Shepherding a Child's Heart, so I've got it nailed. It's all fine. Oh, okay. You're like, you graduated from the Father's Institute then. I'm kidding. I've read that book and I'm like, man, this is going to, like, this doesn't actually sound easy to implement. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, when is, uh, when are you going to get Asher a, sorry, when are you going to get Asha a cell phone, Greg? <laughs> oh, not for a long time. Um, is that the only answer you want at this point? Well, how long is a long time? You can talk more about it if you want, but how long is a long time? Um, I haven't thought specifically about a cell phone, but we are trying to go with the no screen. I think all new parents do this. It's not an an unusual thing. The no screen time, um, no screen access uh, type method, just so that um, basically I, I think it does two things. It makes sure your kid just doesn't get mesmerized by moving pictures um and then not be able to concentrate on other things <laughs> um and i think it's actually the type of like the f- the sort of flickering and stuff of tv is actually bad for their eyesight when it's still developing um so we're trying to do the no screen time thing for i'm hoping we can do it for like up to two years ish I don't know if that's going to happen. Most friends of mine say, you know, they get really sick one day and they put a DVD on or um, whatever. And and I don't blame them. Like it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent now. I get it. That could easily happen. Um, I don't think anyone should feel guilty about that because things happen (laughs) and you sometimes you just need anything to um, help the situation be better than it is Um, within reason. Obviously you don't like hurt the kid or anything like that. Um, and so that wouldn't be a better situation. Um, but yeah, sometimes you do need like, you know, you need to put a dummy in, even though some people try really hard not to use dummies and whatever. So some people need to use a screen, um, to, for a bit of whatever. Uh, and so that, that might be the case, but we're trying to work towards that because we think that would be, uh, at least a good goal to have that we'll try and sort of stick to. But the funny thing is I have noticed already, uh, I mean, it happened last night. My wife was in the kitchen finishing off um, the dinner. This was, I'd, I'd only just walked in the door from work, um, sat down on the couch, had the baby, and I was playing with him. He was looking at me and smiling, but every now and then he would just turn his head to the side and watch 
the football game that was about to start on the TV, mm. um, like the real football game, the Australian rules football game. Um, and <laughs> I was just like, you cheeky little boy, like you're already, um, you know, we, we keep sort of t- moving him away from screens and positioning him so that he can't see them. But any opportunity he gets, his eyes just wander back. So. Yeah, so we are we were doing the same kind of thing with the uh, no screen time for a, for at least the first year, and then we'd kind of reevaluate after that. We're doing well. It, I mean, it hasn't been zero. She let's it's like she has seen screens, you know, um, and we have <laughs> let her stare at them. I think for, that's hard to avoid at all. Like, yeah, just put that out there. <laughs> In today's the way today's technology works, there are screens everywhere, and they're gonna see them. But, like, we've let her watch for, like, more than five minutes at a time. Um, and there have been days when, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we, we try to pick, you know, something that uh, is hopefully stimulating in a good way, you know, if she needs to be occupied for a little bit. But I think the philosophy, this is going to be, you know, back on the subject of balance, I think, is... As long as it's not tech is neutral. Well, see, we're going to get into that. I think a little bit, a little bit. Um, the the thing the thing you always need to evaluate why you are using technology for a specific purpose. So, why are we having Rainy um, watch the watch this on the TV right now? It, are we just letting her for a little bit? It's you know, it's just a thing that she watches as she goes by. You know, honestly. I don't think the screen is as magical a an attraction device as we think it as we think it is like as we have glorified it to be cuz cuz she'll sit there and and watch for like 2 or 3 minutes and then sometimes she'll get distracted with another toy like that has actually happened and um you know it's while I agree it's not good to sit a child at that age you know sitting in front of a television for two hours watching, you know, a a stupid TV show. Um, It's also not a bad thing for her to experience what screens are. Um, Because she needs to learn about that eventually. Now, at this point, she's still trying to figure out what on earth, you know, the ground, uh, how how to interact with the ground with her, you know, chubby little arms and legs and crawling around (laughs) trying to crawl up on stuff. You know, that that kind she needs to learn lots and lots of things right now and so i have let her play with my ipad a little bit because at some point she's going to need to learn how touch screens work and she really en- enjoys like making these little things you know fly around on on the screen by touching them uh once she's figured it out but i don't let her sit there and play with it for a half hour cuz she needs to do other things as well so I'm not sure we're quite as um what's the word prohibitionist as we Strict. were starting out. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that yeah. that creep happens, you know, the longer you're a parent <laughs> too. Um oh, I'm sure it does. I'm banking on it almost. As in like I just assume it will happen. Yeah, that was the same <clears throat> same for us when we when we started out too. Um it's just more it's all about you know making sure that what we're doing is a decision that we're making and not that we are just letting this happen because oh we'll just you know we we don't just let her play with scissors because oh she happened to find you know something 
a, a pair of scissors to play with. <laughs> you know, that's not a that's not a good way to evaluate technology. You need to uh, evaluate what is appropriate for her at this point in time, and you know, uh, make a wise decision based off of that, and not off of the general assumption that all screens are bad at all times for young children. Anyway, this is kind of why I asked and wanted to talk about this because I feel like I need to form strong convictions about this before I have kids rather than waiting until (laughs) then, because it'll basically just be like, ah, whatever, we'll do whatever, you know, go with the flow type of thing, which Mm -hmm. is what you're talking against. And I totally agree. I don't want to really do that in anything, but Mm -hmm. especially not with my kids. Um, yeah. So why do you guys, well, let me ask this instead. Um, when you allow screen time as sort of a normal thing, right? You're sort of tending towards no screen time right now, mm-hmm. which is fine. And I realize it's more than zero, but it's less than, you know, any amount of what we'd actually call reasonable or regular screen time. Mm-hmm. When you start allowing it, um, will you limit it? Like, oh, it's only going to be one hour a day or whatever, whatever limit it is. Will you limit it? Yeah. I mean, to some extent. Um there will be a limit on just about anything she does, I think. Like, I keep going back to the conversation that happened on ATP, uh, especially, you know, when they talked about, you know, kids and screen time. Uh, and uh, I'll see if I can find the, the show and put it in the show notes. I recommended it a while back. But uh, as with anything that they do, if they get obsessed with one particular thing that's not healthy because at this point they need to know lots and lots and lots of things. So, and sitting in front of a TV, you're learning way less than if you're actually interacting with a game on an iPad or something. So there's different kinds of screen time that I may, we may or may not limit more. You know, I'm not going to probably limit reading a book on an iPad or, you know, doing something that involves a lot of dexterity or like advances, I don't know, something in their brains and as opposed to just sitting and watching TV. Now, once she gets to an age where she starts understanding um, the uh, like the storylines that go through television or like the morals, like, okay, this character did this and, and this character did this and that kind of thing. Um, I think we'll probably let, again, that needs to be guided um, by by us as parents. It's it's all about, you know, what can she learn? Is this actually aiding her development or not? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, I think so. How much, like, research have y'all done on this? Like, as far as how technology affects kids. Did you do any of that? It's okay if you didn't. I'm just asking for some sort of frame of reference for this conversation. Only a little bit, like only only enough to know that it's not good for them to sit there and be absorbed by a, something for a long time. Um, but you did you read, know, like you, you mentioned reading Shepherding a Child's Heart. You did stuff like that already, maybe not specific to technology, but you certainly have learned guiding principles for raising children sure. that you're applying yeah. to this specific, you know, thing. Yeah, although that, that had very little to do with that with that topic. But yeah, I have, I, I guess I have tried to... I always said to people um, when <laughs> when we found out we were pregnant that um, I wanted to be as prepared as I possibly could. That was that was my reason for wanting to find out whether it was a boy or a girl, um, for example. 
And everyone, everyone just said to me, oh, don't worry about it. You'll never be prepared anyway. Um, you know, your life's going to change so much. You won't know what hit you. It's actually amazing. Uh, slight side note. It's actually amazing to me how having a, a child is like one of the greatest experiences of your life. But in the, in the like couple of months lead up, in particular the last few months, when it's you're sort of really getting excited about what's about to happen, the number of people who talk about it as if your world is about to implode. Yes. And you I feel like, like it's the excited, same way with marriage. And you're kind of just like, you kind of just like, shut up. Like, yes. I get it. My world, everything's going to be different. I'm not going to get as much sleep. Yeah, it'll be difficult at times. But people love telling you that. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't wait to see how much you struggle with this. And I was like, thanks. It's like a little badge on <laughs> um, their vest that they have to like show off to everyone. Like, oh, yeah. I've gotten this badge <laughs> of infant raising. And yeah. this is exactly what you're going to experience. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that was a side note, but I, I have tried to, um, and maybe that's part of the achiever thing that we always talk about. Um, I hope it's not. I think it's just because I've, I I actually wrote a blog post um, called Thoughts from a First Time Father. And it was basically, it talked about like how the birth played out, not in graphic detail, but in enough detail to kind of give people a picture of what I was dealing with at the time in terms of emotionally and psych- psychologically and stuff and just sort of adjusting to all the change and whatever. But a key part of it was just I came into being a parent feeling like, um, I guess, looking at my my parents' example and going, wow, I, I'm really grateful for the way that I was raised. Um, and I, and then looking at my own life and going, uh, you know, I don't necessarily feel equipped to be a parent. I've never done it before. No one, no one teaches you how to do it. Like, there's no you know, you go to antenatal classes and they tell you all the things that could go wrong or all the things that could go right in the birthing process. Um, but there's no like, you know, you have to get this license or the certificate to be a parent. So, it is kind of up to each person to, I guess, find out as they go and to prepare themselves however they can or however they want to. And so, I thought anything I can do to prepare um, and to try and be um, the kind of godly father that that my I want my son to have um is better than not doing that that's basically how I came how I sort of tried to come into the whole thing knowing that I won't be perfect at it anyway <laughs> basically so maybe the how part is specific to the in- individual and and should be determined um by you or you know by that person i do think though that there's some objectivity for christian parents you know, there's moral obligation, I think, for us as Christians to, you know, raise children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that kind of thing. Um, so it sort of is something you can't just do passively. Um, doesn't necessarily mean there's a mandate for how or how long or what types of things, but I do think, you know, and that's one of the, another reason I wanted to bring this up is like, it's not something we can, like Derek was saying, just kind of passively not think about. You know, I agree, Craig, that it definitely looks different for each person, and I wouldn't mandate or bind someone's conscience on a certain methodology or something like that. But I I would say, like, I do think we have responsibility to, to do, I guess, to pursue the Lord in and and pursue being a godly parent, whatever that looks like for you. Um, I think it's different for different things as well, like different aspects of technology use. So, um, with the screen time thing, like, I sort of have picked that number. Um, like the two year, 18 months to two years thing, a little bit out of the air. Although I think 
I think I heard someone say that that's like an ideal if you can keep them from screen proper screen usage until around two years old. I think I heard somewhere that that's a good a good way to go. Um, whether or not that's possible is, a, like we said, another issue. But I think I have thought a little bit more about things like social media. Um, so screen time is going to be unavoidable at least by the time the kid is at any kind of um, schooling or you know, whatever, yeah. like primary schools these days, kids are using iPads in reception in, in like, yeah. or it, it maybe even earlier. So, um, y- you do need to teach them how to use that stuff or let them learn how to use it themselves. It's pretty straightforward. But, uh, and I have a friend who, you know, his kids have never, his youngest child has never not been around an iPad. Like there's just, you know, his kids have always had them in the house. And so they've learned how to use them from a young age. Um, but they are quite, they're very good parents and they're very good at making sure their kids know um, what is appropriate usage and, and in terms of timeframes and stuff. With social media, I feel like, um, I don't know, I don't see it as dangerous for me, but I do it, I do feel like for some reason that it's something that I should protect my child from at least for a time. Um, so, I, I, I'm not comfortable, like if someone said to me, hey, my my... 10 year old has a Facebook account. I Something inside of me goes, what? Why? That's not a good idea. <laughs> also, it's against the rules. So you're supposed to be 13 before you, you have to be 13, I think, to use Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so even, but even if, all right, let's use that as a, as a benchmark then. Even if someone said to me, my 13 year old has a Facebook, I wouldn't necessarily feel really, really awkward about it, but I would, I would probably say that if it was me as the parent, I wouldn't, um, be encouraging that or even maybe allowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's mainly a safety thing. Like there are too many dodgy people on the internet trying to befriend people that they don't, you know, know and all that kind of thing. There's plenty of ways to educate around that. So maybe um, prevention from access is not the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think when they do use screens, at least until they're, sort of until their maturity filter is starting to develop a bit more um i think i'd probably i'd probably sort of steer their usage to how can you know how can you use this in a way that is actually helpful so educational use um recreation in small doses um things like that rather than just yeah open slather like just go for it just you know do whatever you want or use it for as many hours as you want now that you're over 13 um it doesn't matter. I think I'd probably follow the thing of having the computer, the, you know, a computer with the internet in the main room of the house, for example, not not letting kids have laptops in their bedrooms, um, again, at least up until a point. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to talk about any of those things, but yeah. there's some things that I've kind of just thought about as well at this point. Yeah. The, yeah, I would... <clears throat> Yeah, I would say there's definitely uh, safeguards that one should enact for that kind of thing. Like, probably, like once my kids get a cell phone, they will probably need to plug it in downstairs or in our bedroom for the night before they go to bed, just because it's not a good idea to leave the internet unattended with young eyes. Um, but there's also <clears throat> there's also something about not enacting safeguards blindly and hoping that that teaches your children and yeah like 
you can limit the you can limit screen time all you want, but if you don't teach your kids what proper use of whatever screen is in question is, like they won't learn how to do that. They'll just know, oh, this is something that we just cannot touch for longer than this amount of time for whatever arbitrary reason that mom or dad has in their head. Um, which is why I think I have such a negative opinion of just straight out screen time limiting because um, yeah. it's not taking into account it's the same as anything like res- responsible alcohol usage right. and all that kind of stuff it needs to be modeled exactly rather than prevented al- altogether I-, I plan on drinking lots of alcohol in front of my children so that they see what pro- <laughs> I mean not all at one time but like, <laughs> how many lots <laughs> only a few lots um but uh, so they see what responsible alcohol usage is um and so that they don't have some idea of the fact that alcohol is outright wrong because uh mom and dad never drink it in front of us or it's like i, I don't know um there is yeah it's it's teaching a healthy use of whatever is the thing in question Yep. And that's probably a better way to look at the whole scenario rather than asking the question of, will you prevent this or, you know, at what age will you allow this? I think it would be more about at what age do we, you know, when we get to 13 uh, and we've we've known the kid by that point for 13 years, is that kid able to, is that child able to understand what responsible usage of that particular thing looks like at that point Mm -hmm. or not? Yeah. Um, and 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 if they are, then go ahead, you know, proceed with caution, basically, like, you know, put in place safeguards like we've talked about. Um, but if if your if your communication with that child is good and if that child is um is developing appropriately their own filters and their own, you know, way of knowing well these things that I could come across when I'm using this technology won't be good for me and therefore I should do something about stopping them or looking out for them and being aware that they exist and, and whatever. Um, that's a pretty important thing rather than just kind of having a blanket and going, no, no social media yeah. until you're 19, right. 18, 21, whatever it is. Like, yeah. 32. And, and I know, I know there are parents out there right now shaking who have five kids, two of them teenagers that are like shaking their heads being like, you have no idea how much work it is to do that for, for all these, all these kids. And I know that it, that this is, this is the ideal and I'm, we're not going to do this perfectly because we're sinful and, uh, there's, and our our kids will be sinful and it's hard to keep track of every single thing you're supposed to, you know, teach your kids. Um, But talking theoretically, like this is the goal that I would love to have. Um, if I was able to do this with each of my children, that would be, fantastic but i know there are going to be yeah. days when that is just i'm not going to handle it well so i understand there's a there's a balance here but uh yeah but certainly that argument wouldn't be that like oh they can't make it in the car without being entertained by the ipad right right because we made it in the car without being entertained by ipads yeah, right. and like that parent made it in the car without you know it, like that's not the argument maybe it's the case like and i think this is where you were going anyway derek is you know i've got five kids or i've got six kids and i know people like this and it's just hard to uh, this may be a harsh sounding word but it's just hard to regulate their intake mm-hmm. as far as technology goes 
when you, there's so many, like we're outnumbered kind of thing. Like I can't keep track of them all at all times. I, I get that. Like that makes a lot more sense to me. I, I'm not, I don't think those folks would be using it as an excuse necessarily. Um, but it's definitely not the, the first thing I was talking about. Like kids can make it without technology. That's not an issue. Yeah. And, and yeah, I've, I got friends who, sorry, I got a family, like friends who are a family who have, I think it's six kids, either five or six. Um, and I'm pretty sure their kids have very minimal screen time. Their dad still has one of his, so he and I are friends. We play Risk together occasionally and stuff. Um, he has one of those old phones, like a 3310 or whatever, like buttons, not wow. even a color. I think it's wow. got a color screen. Wow. But like the only internet is like the, the WPA2 or whatever it is, or oh, WAP man. or whatever. Like yeah, WAP really is the old <laughs> man. Yeah, he doesn't even use the internet on his phone. He just makes calls and that's he's happy with that. He's like, why would I ever want an iPhone? It's a telephone and it makes calls. So, you know, I think there are families that, that can do it that, yeah, but, you you know, it's not easy, particularly once you've got, once you are outnumbered like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not even sure, like, people will make the argument that, uh, you know, I I got by without this, so therefore my kids can get by without this. <laughs> but... Back in my day. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I don't think that's actually a healthy way to look at technology because technology shapes the culture that we're in. It's, you know, 20 years ago, you could get by without getting a computer. Wait, let me think about it. 20 years ago? Probably. Uh, 25 yeah, years ago. about that. You know, you could have your children grow up in a household without a computer, and they're probably fine. Um, but nowadays, like, you need to educate the educate your children about the culture that they're in. You know, you can't just block them off from everything and expect them to have healthy interactions with these things once they're grown up either. Um, so parenting changes as the culture changes, as technology changes the culture. Well, I definitely wouldn't disagree with you there, Derek. Thanks. Yeah, this has been uh, helpful and very thought-provoking for me. So thank you, guys. Do you have any recos, Derek? Yeah. Um, so I am going to recommend Human Resource Machine, which is by the same creators of World of Goo, if you've heard of that. Um, it is. Yeah. It has the same kind of dark, humorous charm that World of Goo has. Um, that Derek, this is a $5 game. It is. It is a $5 game, but it's actually totally worth it. Now... In the description, it, it is it is based off of programming logic. Like, it teaches you programming logic. And I normally can't really get into those games, although I've always tried. But a friend showed this one to me, and I really, really like it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's fairly easy at first, and then it gets insanely difficult. Um, <laughs> but once you fight through that, it is, it's very rewarding each time you figure something else out. Um, and it's got a nice little, uh, twisted storyline that's kind of, um, that, that I find amusing. Um, so yeah, check it out. $5. Neat. I might, it's probably on Android too. Probably iOS, Android, probably on PC too. These guys make it for everything. So 
You might even find it on Linux. Coolio. All right, Craig, what are your recos this week? My recommendation this week is a Kickstarter called My Soul Among Lions, uh, Psalms 11 to 20. So I found out about this just today, actually, from a friend of mine called Will Bassett over in the UK. Um, and My Soul Among Lions, basically, they're doing a project where they're trying to put all 150 psalms to modern day music, which they're kind of an acoustic y, folky pop thing. Um, not so much pop, just acoustic folk is how I'd probably describe it. Anyway, it's pretty cool. Um, the sort of, a couple of the, the clip that I looked at as like a example seemed pretty, um, chilled and fairly mellow, but really good harmonies and, and stuff. So, um, and yeah, good musicians all around. So if you're into that kind of thing, check it out. I've never been an EP kind of guy, um, exclusive psalmody, but, um, I think this sounds like a really cool project. Um, and so. I will be supporting the Kickstarter. And if it sounds interesting to you, I'd encourage you to do that too. And if you would like to jump in the conversation, you can do so by signing up for our Slack team at slack.techreformation.com. And you can visit our website to search for past shows and topics or to donate to the podcast to help us keep it running as well. So if you want to do either of those things, just head to techreformation.com. And we are a part of the Theology Mix Network. You can find those shows uh, in the show notes. You can go to the website page or go to the master iTunes feed in iTunes and uh, check that out. Uh, lots of great shows on there. No, the iTunes feed's in iTunes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love, love, love. <laughs> I think it's time for us to do an extended request here in these last moments of this episode. For you, the listener who love us and want to support us and see other people enjoy this great show that you like so much to review us on iTunes and give us a rating and some words and recommend us on Overcast because we need it. That's the only way that this show gets out there is if you tell people about it. And one way you can do that is get it in front of other people's eyes by recommending and reviewing us. So please do that for us. If you don't mind, we really appreciate it. Every review really helps. Mm-hmm. And the music is used by special permission of Matthew Parker. Check him out on SoundCloud and iTunes. It's fantastic stuff. And he has a new single out, which you should go check out. Definitely. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I really have to stop saying these things. Derek is going to like embezzle all the money. There's going to be a super cut around episode 100 of just all these things <laughs> oh, you say about Australia. <laughs> the only thing... Well, Ben's racist comment. No, it's not a race. You're ca- Caucasian like me. It's not a racist thing. Okay, countryist comments, nationalityist comments.
Yeah, I don't know what it is. But the thing about it is, Derek, I trust that you won't do that because I don't think you have the time for that, which yep. is my only comfort right That's now. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> which is why it's okay for me to keep hanging out, Craig. <laughs> I think it's actually an inferiority complex. America is finally realizing that its power is Oh, I am hopping mad right now. Do not say anything <laughs> negative about America, the greatest country to have ever existed. Hang on, did you say an A on the front? It should just be America, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the show. Anyway, Derek doesn't want to. That was fun. Do this. I love America. They brought us Netflix. <laughs> Google is going to start finishing. And MacGyver. Anyway, <laughs> Google is going. Google to- is going to start punishing Australians just like Americans have. 